Hello everyone, Sam here. Just after recording this episode, we set up a Facebook group where you can share memes, you can chat to us. It's just a little bit more interactive than the Facebook page, which frankly was becoming a bit of a drag. So we thought we'd let you make the content for us. You can find it at That Was Genius, a funny history podcast group. We'll post memes, we'll post jokes, we'll do polls, and very occasionally we'll post hilarious outtakes from That Was Genius. I mean, I say very rarely. We usually try and shoehorn anything in that gets even so much as a giggle, but you might find some stuff there. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and please do sign up to That Was Genius, a funny history podcast group on Facebook. As a new father, <laughs> speaking as a new father, I had no idea how loud a tiny baby's farts can be. Yeah, that's no, unbelievable. Isn't it? Like great big gas bags, aren't it's they? It's like a roaring cannon. A howitzer. She farts like a long distance truck driver. <laughs> I swear, I swear someone is feeding that girl Greg's bean pasties. Yeah. <laughs> Under the table. Ginsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a rustler's microwave burger top up. Yeah. Oh. I think truck driving has to be the most unhealthy lifestyle you can possibly lead. (laughs) You eat from service stations and you sit on your ass all day. That's not true, Todd, because sometimes you stop talking. That's it, isn't it? You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I was going to say, with the occasional stopover in a lay-by for for some (laughs) dogging and a prostitute, yeah. It is, isn't it? That's pretty much all it is. <laughs> life on the open road, Tom. Life on the open road. <laughs> Just massive melanoma on one arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, a heightened cancer risk in one quarter of your body. <laughs> yeah. Oh, some of them, but those really long distance. Uh, truck drivers they have the cabins as well behind them, don't Ooh, they? Yeah. Where they can sleep. I mean, that's just like elite level dogging, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. God, the disgusting things that would go on there, Sam. <laughs> I dread to think, Tom. I dread to oh, think. I've, I bet, oh, it's disgusting. I can barely believe my eyes. <laughs> I had to climb it. I had to climb in there oh, just to have a look. Three men. You would not believe what they were doing. I've heard it's called <laughs> daisy chaining. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I tell you what, though. Health and safety first. He did have a high visibility duvet. <laughs> Oh, should we do a podcast? Let's go for it. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom... Bonjour. ...and Sam, hello, discuss history stories on a theme each week. And I doubt whether our little chat about lorry drivers dogging is uh, going to make the intro. But if it did, it would be a neat segue. Or doggers trucking. Possibly. It's a today's topic. <laughs> because speaking of uh, getting naked in a lay-by, what is today's topic, Tom? Well, there's an <laughs> element of debate, isn't there? There is. It's either the love of nature or the love of being naked in nature. In nature, <laughs> yeah. I, I think both of us um, made the mistake, or did we? Or did I no, just make No, no, no. I made the mistake ironically. I the topic the... <laughs> this week is naturalists. I was going to pretend that I'd misheard and do nudists. Giggle, and then, giggle, giggle. But then I poor. did that. But then Tom, unironically... <laughs> I did it. ...made a mistake and did nudists. Well, there's nothing funny about naturists, is there? But no, I really bloody struggled after discovering that you were doing the same thing as me and I had to switch my story around. So how did you find this one, Tom? Apart from hugely confusing. Excellent. Mine was absolutely excellent. I actually Good. was inspired 
I've I've been reading a bit of poetry, so I was inspired by a little known Second World War poem written by the famous English poet and um, he was an RAF pilot as well, Arthur Ramsley Bottomley Parpington. And it's it's <laughs> Hang quite on. moving. This sounds suspiciously, Tom. Suspiciously. <laughs> like you're actually talking about the brother of so, Sir yeah, John Trumpington. So, yes, that was Sir John Smithereens Trumpington. It was also a very well-known known poet. Mm. It, it's quite moving. This this poem that I read, and it just inspired uh, well, me. Well, anything by anything by the Trumpington. <laughs> oh no, this is Parpington. His sorry, Parpington. Poem. Sorry, Parpington. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, Trump- also also very moving. Yeah. Bowel. Bowel moving. <laughs> anyway, um, so I I just like to read that to start off with, and I think it'd be a nice start to the to the uh, podcast. Um, <clears throat> Uh, naughty nudie Nazis, naughty Nazi nudes, displaying all their private parts, rounding up the Jews. <laughs> nasty nudie, <laughs> nasty nudie Nazis, nasty Nazi nudes, knackers out in Nuremberg, shocking all the prudes. <laughs> oh natural, naughty Nazis, naughty Nazis in the nip, bare bums in the U-boat, torpedoed an Allied ship. <laughs> oh natural. <laughs> Oh, natural nasty Nazis, nasty Nazis in the nip, conquering neighbours' territory and going for a skinny dip. Nah, nasty, nudie, naughty Nazis, naked and numb. Autumn in Russia isn't very much fun. Nasty, nudie, naughty Nazis, naked and numb. Bend over as you surrender and take it up the bum. Um, so, yeah, that was hey. from, from Arthur Ramsey Bottomley Parpington. <laughs> That's a beautiful poem, Tom. I thought it was quite... Yeah, I, I thought it was wonderful. It stood the test of time quite nicely, hasn't it? What, now from, 80 years old almost. Yeah, from his beautiful anthology, you can stick your swastika up your ass. All four of you. <laughs> yeah. Also, of course, immortalised in his best of, Goebbels' Dirt Box. Swinging Goebbels. <laughs> Swinging Goebbels. <laughs> okay, let's stop this now, because you might be taking some of my future jokes. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> are we getting, are we getting <laughs> yeah, perilous? Let's just, uh, let's just hold off a little bit. He says as he scribbles down everything I've just said into his notes. Repeat for later. Claim Sam Stoll. Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you've enjoyed yourself. Should we do some audience feedback? And then I think we should probably let Ooh, you go first. There's quite a lot, isn't there? God, we've got loads this week. <laughs> loads. I tell you what, we probably can't read all of the messages because the, we have had far too much. And it won't be very interesting for the audience. But shouts out to people who've been talking to Hilip Yardman. We've been talking to you about. German genocide episodes. Yeah. So that poem especially for you, Hillip. <laughs> We've been talking to Tersely about Ripped Hercules. Yes. We've had a, a lovely chat with May about going to university and studying history. So hello, May. Thank you for your messages. A Michael from Seattle. Oh, he gave us that really good information about left-handed being left-handed in the American military, and it was actually an advantage he reckoned when he was using a rifle. Yes. He's, Something about yes. like reloading, but every time he did so, it would. The cartridge would fly out into his eye, I think yeah, he said. that was a problem and is a problem with uh, with British rifles in the British Army. At the moment, here's a sad fact. The the British rifle, which is widely considered to be the worst in the world at the moment, is uh, only able to be fired right-handed because it does ping the cartridge, empty cartridges into your eye if you fire it left-handed. Mm. So left-handers have to learn to shoot right-handed. I believe right. that's still the case in the British Army. There you so, go. So you're not alone. Yeah, he also, I think he was another one of the chaps that likened us to the dollop. Said he quite likes. Yes, it. he did. Yes, I think it's very funny, but it's it's totally like American. It. The the comedians are all hey cool, we're making smart cracks, a very American style of humour versus us who would just take the piss out of ourselves. Yes, yeah, and the French. <laughs> the Fre- <laughs> yes, and <laughs> Australians, and American policemen. Yes, <laughs> everyone's fair game. 
apart from Nelson Mandela. Apparently, Nelson Mandela <laughs> always gets edited out. <laughs> yes, he does. Here's your opportunity, Tom. <laughs> I knew you were right. I'm not going to do it. No, because you're just going to edit it out. Beep! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thank you as well to all of our patrons who've been talking to us as well. Yeah, I'm, I, I made a mistake with Jerome and Jerome. Jerome and Jerome. Whoops. Yes, you made it, you made it again. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? We've only got... Me désolé. 38 patrons, all of whom we value greatly. 32 of them are called Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> or variants. And then there's Jess from Michigan. That's the only other one who reckons we look like Steve Merchant and Matthew Bainton. Yeah, who's who? Well, Steve Merchant's a great big lanky... He's got a great sense of humour, but I um, mean, he's not the best-looking chap in the world. Um, so you then? I'll take Matthew Benton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought this was like shotgun. It's first in first. Yeah, it serve. was. <laughs> oh yeah, it you was. And you, and you took your sweet ass time. Scheiße. Okay. Marvellous. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Tom. Since you've already done your yeah. naughty nudie Nazis, it's play, not mine, Sam. Did you not listen? I think you're. I, uh, sorry. Arthur Ramsey Bottomley Parpington. <laughs> yes. The artist formerly known as. I think you should probably carry on your story. Okay, okay. Well, I, I was inspired by that poem to try and find out really how nudie the Nazis really were, or if they were nudie at all. Yes. It sounds a little bit like a Channel 5 documentary already, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Did Hitler like being pissed on? Tune in <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm sure there's a funny title to that documentary we can think up. Lebensraum for the penis. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Golden showers for the Allied powers. <laughs> Axis powers. Axis powers. Damn, yes. I'm so close. Anyway, when you look into the history of the naturist movement, which I did straight away, getting the topic wrong. Of course um, you did. You find that there were lots of German... Like getting the topic wrong as if you didn't already have the tabs open on your computer. <laughs> well, yeah, there's been a lot of seeing naked German people in my research this week. Has there? Has. Oh, a lot of naked German people. I would say 20% of them were worth looking at. Nice. Um, I've seen a lot, of, I saw a lot of willies, a lot more willies than I was planning on looking at this week. Good. Um, but, you know, it's all part of the research. It is all part of the research. Um, I did have you, to you know, it's not strictly speaking necessary to do all your research in incognito mode. <laughs> Both on the laptop and in person. I was, <laughs> Through a hole in the wall. Mac. <laughs> with a large pair of binoculars yeah. and a newspaper with two eye holes in it <laughs> and a third hole somewhere down in the sports <laughs> section <laughs> yeah so lots of German proponents of being in the nip at the start of the 20th century they were really pioneering there's a chap called Heinrich Pudor who wrote extensively on the subject he inspired another chap called Richard Ungwitter yes I vaguely came across these two yeah these are referred to as pioneers of naturism, certainly in Germany, but also actually around the world. Very influential. <laughs> Just the first two naked men in Berlin. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you're called a pioneer of naturism. How can you be a pioneer of the form that we're all brought to the earth in? Well, Tom, a, a moderately interesting aside, did you know that we can pretty much exactly date the moment when humans started wearing clothes? How? Did you know about this? No, that sounds fascinating. It coincides with the evolution of body lice, which evolved from head lice at roughly the time as the body started to provide a warm and cosy environment for lice to thrive in, which uh, was about 160,000 years ago and uh, happens to very handily coincide with an ice age and uh, dropping world temperatures. Very, so very interesting. That is actually a fascinating fact and very it's believable. A fascinating, very, very historical fact. Probably the oldest fact in this podcast. Prehistorical fact. Yeah. 
So occasionally you come out with some, and I think, no, that's not true. I'm not going to say. But that, actually, I can believe, Sam. That's a goodie. Yep, true story. That is a very good, good one. That is very good. Uh, both both Pudor and Ungivita, amongst others, wrote about eugenics and were vocal anti-Semites. Um, they saw naturism in a wider Volkish context. By that, I mean they believed in the superiority of the German race. They wanted to keep Germans, inverted commas, pure. And they believed by showing off their beautiful bodies, they're bronzed, and they believed that um, <laughs> German culture needed to be more Germanic. You know, yodeling, sacrifices to Woden, weird and rather dark folklore, long blonde hair in ponytails, fighting each other, ambushing Italians in the Teutonburg forest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eventually hey. being defeated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just, I've just. Been well, actually, to be fair, Tom, eventually filling out the ranks of the Roman army and. Continuing, well, like, on, continuing it on as a fighting force. I, I think that... What actually happened? <laughs> I was about to say, isn't that the Battle of Teutonburg Forest, isn't it? it wasn't that it? is the Battle of Teutonburg Forest and also Italy after the uh, revolution that overthrew Mussolini. Ah, right. Such a... The depth, the depth of these Ooh. jokes. De- it's I've not even finished. a joke, Tom. That's just f- fucking facts. I've just finished Tacitus and um, his Agricola and yeah. Germany. And they that, that book, Germany, very, very influential... In this this sort of Volkish movement, mm. this this belief that Germans, and naturalism, it was, it was referenced by these naturalists because Na- there were naturists. some passages. Na- naturists, still I'm still getting, getting it wrong. wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no, the naturalists. There's a whole passage <laughs> about robins. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> David Attenborough, the SS guards. What a game! There's an opportunity for a clip from our last Patreon episode. Nice. Insert now. <laughs> Just for the record, are we doing naturalists or naturists? I think, Tom, do you know what? I think it would be hilarious if you made a mistake either way. So I'm not going to tell you. Well, I'm, I'm and... doing naturists. I'm not doing fucking naturalists. Who's, who would have suggested oh, you You were doing naturists. Doing naturists. I thought the subject oh, was sweet. naturists. No, it's naturalists. Naturalists is the no, topic. No, it's naturists. It's, it's the one that is people looking after wildlife, not nudists. Not, not people flaunting themselves in the wild no oh well no, fuck it because i've got a good naturists one that's fine you go for it i'm not going to stop you i thought it was naturists i was entirely intending on doing a nudist anyway and pretending that it was a hilarious mistake but if you're doing it <laughs> i'm doing it as hey. well hopefully that wasn't david attenborough who came forward with that suggestion and it's now going to be left disappointed <laughs> and now we can see my knob <laughs> So yeah, all that, all that schnitzel. Anyway, connected to this, these <laughs> two individuals, they believed that Germans, to be at their best, needed to quit alcohol, eat raw food, practice vegetarianism, and exercise regularly in the nip. Which to me sounds very un-German, <laughs> Sam. You know, there's nothing more German than eating a sausage, drinking beer, wearing denim, and letting your mullet swing <laughs> freely in the breeze over the top of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, yeah. Whilst you're listening to a bit of the Hoff, yes. Before yes, before hopping back into Kit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you research and 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 discotheques, when you research, yeah, the history of naturism in in Germany actually aligns very nicely with the more widespread political philosophies, and it fits in very nicely with this idea that Hitler and Nazism didn't just emerge out of nowhere, but the ideas of Germanic emerge out of the arse crack of a naked German. <laughs> Pop. Oh, it goes Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit of a tickle as he came out. That must be <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, these ideas of Germanic racial superiority and the anti-Semitism were very widespread in German culture long before 1930. Yes. Or the 1930s, you know, even thinking about Nietzsche and Wagner. Anyway, um, during the Weimar Republic, Pudor 
was a very aggressive critic of politicians, and this continued into the Nazi era. In fact, in 19... 19- uh, sorry, uh, sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting you, Tom, but I've just no. picked up on the fact that one of the, one of the proponents of nudism in Nazi Germany was called Pudor, and that's just tickled me slightly. <laughs> Do you think that was his favourite practical joke? Uh, no, no, it's just the fact that Pudor is quite clearly a term for bottom. Of course it is, isn't it? It's a Pudor, yeah, absolutely. Shitgate. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The turd's loose. Tur- turd aisle. Uh, tur- yeah. No, tur- turd style. The crap flap. That's what I was going for, the turd, the turd style. Turd style, the crap flap. Crap flap. <laughs> anyway, this guy, Pudor, he, uh, and we're going to come back to his name, <laughs> incidentally. Uh, it sounds like Poodor. a really bad fantasy land, doesn't it? The land of Pudor. Um, <laughs> or just a turd-covered character from Game of Thrones. Pudor. <laughs> <laughs> Poodle. Poo on the door! Poo on the door! Poo on the door! Anyway. Yeah, the, white, the white walkers won't touch the shit-covered handle. Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. It's all up the walls. Um, <laughs> How do people do this? How do you poo up a wall? It's impossible. Anyway. Anyway, this Poodor chap, he had a, a magazine called Swastika. And in 1933, it was banned by the Nazi party for being too critical of the party. In particular, <laughs> Poodle thought the Nazis were taking it a bit easy on the Jews. Just gives you a, a reference point there for Poodle's anti-Semitism. <laughs> um, just have a think about where he stands on the, on the spectrum there. Um, so Poodle was a nutter. For a start, Poodle was, a, was actually an adopted surname, so you're laughing at it. It's Latin for sense of modesty or shame. Oh, interesting. So, so Poodle also... For a naturist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So, well, this Germany is, is a land of contrasts. There is this contrast in, in in nudism. A lot of these proponents of nudism actually thought that going naked was the modest thing to do, and actually wearing corsets yes. and having your bust pushed up and your ass exaggerated, all those things wasn't modest. And nudity was actually a leveler and would actually make people less <laughs> sexualized. Did Puda not look good in a corset? <laughs> well. But, just looked at himself yeah, in tight jeans. On his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, can I? Well, I don't like this. It clearly had a chip on his shoulder about it because he argues in some of his uh, publications that women should be flogged for wearing corsets. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Ungwitter, he was arguably worse. He encouraged nudists to shout abuse at corset wearers and he thought that a suitable <laughs> punishment for these corset Nazis, hold on, no, it doesn't quite work, um, it was to be drowned in a bog. A very traditional Germanic punishment. I've got a wonderful mental image of a furious, fat, naked German screaming at someone until a vein pops out of his head. Because it's, because it's um, because they're wearing a corset. His corset's on too tight. <laughs> so, so both of these men, unsurprisingly, were watching the rise of the Nazis with anticipation, thinking here, here maybe we might be getting some go-getters here, some people receptive to this whole German mass nudity thing. Well, things. Hold on, let me do this again, because otherwise I'm going to ruin some rather okay jokes. (laughs) Mediocre humour incoming. Yeah, and and it's only going to get worse, so let's just keep it a mediocre. Fine. And so they were both watching the rise of the Nazis with anticipation and thinking, finally, here are some go-getters. Here are some people receptive to German mass nudity. These guys will get it. The master race must want to get naked. It's only a matter of time before Hitler writes a sequel, Mine Pants, and Goebbels shows hey. his big balls, and Goring stops being boring, and von Kribbentrop lets his undies drop, and Himmler does something similar. Um, was it worth it? <laughs> Almost worth it. I thought there was a Rise of the Nazi Party. Oh, nudist direction joke. And it never came. 
Sorry. Oh, hey. Munich Butch, Harry Bush. What? <laughs> it's loading <laughs> too. It's endless, endless. It's worth noting that at the same time uh, as these rather odd men were publishing shitloads of stuff and developing a following amongst the middle classes, there was a chap called Adolf Cock. Ha <laughs> ha Hey, there's a joke here somewhere, but I can't I quite can't find my... it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this Cock chap published um, much less than the other two, but was actually far more influential and had more followers. And he was concerned with a poorer urban class and thought that improved health, 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 through nudie activities would help the proletariat. Nothing will help hygiene in the slums like nudity. <laughs> well, there's more than you might think. The early 20th century was a time when Germany was rapidly urbanising and large numbers of people mm. went from environments where they were working hard outside in the sun all day, drinking milk from the cow's boobies, eating turnips straight <laughs> from the ground, breathing in the fresh air of grandma's flatulent choruses, to stinky, polluted and cramped cities. And in the field of medicine... It sounds like heaven. <laughs> Reminds me of my own childhood back in the back in the New Forest. It could be a nice turner landscape painting, couldn't it? <laughs> a nice a nice turnip landscape. <laughs> in the field of medicine, people were starting to see how important sun exposure was to common medical conditions like emoism, gofluenza, and gingerism. So <laughs> there was a sort of there is a logic. You're right, here. these are okay jokes. I thought you built my hopes up for nothing. That was but a, these are absolutely acceptable. That was a four out of ten. Yes. <laughs> anyway, despite causing quite a controversy early on in his movement by secretly making students exercise nude at a Catholic school... <laughs> is that a fact or is that just a... <laughs> that is a fact, I know. You would think it okay. was a joke. It's a fact. He seems to have been genuine in his intentions and not quite as much of a twonk as the other two, although he was a very socialist twonk. Um, and he did support eugenics i.e. Let, not letting ugly people procreate, but he wasn't racist. Only fair. wasn't as racist as the uh, as some of the other people. In fact, in 1947, he was found not guilty of supporting the Nazi party despite signing up for an 18-month membership with the SS. Sign up for 18 months and get a free pair of leather boots. Each yes. month, we will send you a, a fine China SS officer goose-stepping. Collect all 18... <laughs> yes, for just three billion renton mark per month, you can collect this amazing build your own Adolf Hitler, Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> and apparently, he did this just to curry favour um, with the SS in the hope of being allowed to continue his organisation. But he he was found out after the war not to be that bad. As it turns out, see, it, he wasn't racist enough. Unlike the umbrella group for nudists, which stood up and proudly said to the Nazi Party, "We hate Jews. They shan't be allowed to be nude with us." Cox's nudist movement was crushed like nude testicles on a bike by the Nazis. <laughs> so these other guys who were more racist and more willing to shout, we are racist, they were allowed to continue. This umbrella group that did continue was tolerated by the Nazis despite Hermann Goering being very boring and in 1933 passing a law to stop mixed-sex nudism. Yes, for a deeply homophobic government, that'll sort a problem. <laughs> well, this is the other thing. The homoeroticism that's about to come, Sam. I beg your pardon. There's a lot. There's a lot of homoeroticism in this nudist movement, and a lot of homoeroticism that was that found a receptive audience in uh, the Nazi Party. I've got this quote from Hermann Goering. It's quite a long one. Let's see how much of it we decide to keep. One of the greatest dangers for German culture and morality is a so-called nudity movement. I don't know why it's a so-called nudity movement. It's a nudity <laughs> movement. It's a nudity movement. <laughs> Greatly as it is to be welcomed in the interest of the public health, 
that ever wider circles, especially if the metropolitan population are striving to make the healing power of sun and air and water serviceable to their body, as greatly must the so-called nudity movement be disapproved of as a cultural error. Among women, the nudity kills natural modesty. It takes from men their respect for women. Blah, 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 blah. So there you go. <laughs> the reason why the racist Starker's umbrella group managed to continue is because Himmler and other leading figures in the SS, which uh, stands for Sausage Swingers, rather liked a bit of nudity. <laughs> the shithole showers. I think I actually read somewhere that the SS were, were very keen on the old going out for a jog with each other in the Nicky Nakanu news as well. Of course they were, in Russia in winter. <laughs> yeah. In the SS magazine, Die Corps, which translates as... SS magazine? <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great, isn't it? it, it... For paramilitary men and the women who love them. <laughs> this week, knit your own death head scar. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to flick your leather glove in someone's face. Yes. In three easy steps. Next week, make a tiger tank out of a spam can. Kids will love it. <laughs> uh, well, actually, in this magazine, uh, the SS were happy to advertise books like, and this is where it becomes rather homoerotic, Der Mensch und die Sonne by a chap called Hans Sörin, first published in 1924. And this book was hugely popular through the Nazi period. And the book title translates as Man and the Sun. And it was a collection Ooh. of pictures of naked Germans playing in the sun. And it was basically a slightly erotic celebration of the beautiful master race. <laughs> so you can read it whilst having a filthy masturbate. <laughs> and they get... Well, nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Stop calling the police. I know it turns you on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, schnell, my little Nazi knickerbockers. <laughs> schnell, 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 play in the sun. Let me watch you through my binoculars. <laughs> Again, you're preempting something I'm about to say. So sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's wonderful because it's just linking it all together beautifully. So this this book had accompanying descriptions like sun-browned member and sack pulsing with blood <laughs> and both small egg-shaped testicles. What? I know, and Surin uh, made this book explicitly anti-Semitic in later editions, directly quoting Hitler, and the Nazis loved it. They lapped it up. <laughs> lapped it up is a phrase that you need to be quite careful about using in this context. Oh. <laughs> That was the other SS officer magazine, Bukaki Weekly. <laughs> no, Tom, that was the ma- that was the magazine of the uh, of the Imperial Japanese Army. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and there was a considerable amount of nudity also in a very similar vein in the 1938 propaganda film Olympia, which is about the Berlin Olympics, which has actually been listed as one of the top 100 films ever made by various magazines and things. It's apparently very, very cutting edge. It was uh, very advanced for its time. Um, anyway, so nudism slowly became more acceptable, something highlighted by Himmler passing legislation permitting nude sunbathing in public in 1942. Mm. And despite his excellent work keeping nudism going during the Third Reich, things didn't end quite so well for Surin because he was caught wanking in public and was eventually imprisoned. It would appear that celebrating the nudes of the master race was one thing, repeatedly wanking at a couple of ladies in the neighbourhood was quite another. <laughs> Oh, come on. It's a thin line Even to if dress. you're shouting Hal Hitler whilst doing it. <laughs> it it's a difficult line to tread, come though, isn't it, now. Sam? Nudity, okay. Wanking at people, not okay. Gas cookers, okay. Gas chambers, not okay. <laughs> oh, Drive car to Poland, on. okay. Ooh. Drive tank to Poland, not okay. 
So, yes, that was a brief history of um, <laughs> Nazis and nudism. Flying to London Stansted, fine. Bombing London Stansted, <laughs> not okay. Flying with Lufthansa, <laughs> okay. Flying with Luftwaffe, not okay. <laughs> Although, on the flip side, lighting a cigarette in Dresden, okay. Just lighting Dresden, not okay. <laughs> Again, you know my opinion of this, Sam. <laughs> Don't start a fight with someone, then complain when they kick your head in. <laughs> that's my that's my opinion when it comes to uh, the end of the Second World War. <clears throat> I was just I'm just offering balance, Tom. Just offering balance. <laughs> uh, so yes, that was my my brief history of nudism in the Nazi Party. Wonderful, Tom. Wonderful. And I thought we we hadn't done Nazis very much recently, had we? I thought it was time we had a bit more Nazism in this podcast. It's time. It's time. <laughs> Just not enough Nazism in this podcast. Or fascism. Not enough Nazism. Not enough dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The statistics are clear, Tom. We need more Nazis and more penises in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should release a magazine. <laughs> uh, what could it? What could it be called? Nazi knobs. <laughs> Nazi knobs. Dicks of the dictators. Next week, Idi Amin. <laughs> <laughs> dicks of the sounds like it could be a good yeah that sounds like it could be a good one <laughs> dicks of the dictators fuck six of the fascists <laughs> next week Mussolini's manhood the Führer's Frankfurter that work <laughs> <laughs> the monolith from Milan <laughs> eating off the Wiener Republic oh, come on now. <laughs> hyperinflation special <laughs> boom a 1920s German economy joke <laughs> I know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm spent. Yeah, you can. I'll keep thinking. (laughs) Excellent, Tom. Excellent. As discussed last week in our patrons-only episode, Samuel Peeps is to Phil Basement. Goose steppers Uh, and tit wankers. (laughs) Nice. Weekly. Goose goose steppers and tit wankers weekly. Lieben's Rim magazine. Beautiful. And on that note, move on. That's what we were hoping for. There you go. Uh, yeah, so as discussed in Samuel Pepys's Turdfield Basement, I was uh, planning on hilariously doing naturists as a joke instead of naturalists. But here we are, 46 minutes into a one-hour podcast recording with every conceivable dick joke made. <laughs> Which kind of meant that I had to go fishing for an interesting naturalist rather than naturist. But I did, Tom, I did manage to find one example of a naturist naturalist. Oh, excellent. So you've done both. Yes. Hedged your bets. I have hedged my bets. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. That works really well, that, doesn't it? It does, very good. Again, the depth of these jokes. <laughs> Boom, it's just... It's like a pun machine gun. A pun gun. So, yes, I'm going to give an honourable mention to uh, Robin Davidson, an explorer who in 1977 set off on a 1,700-mile trip through the Western Australian desert. Was this a real Robin? Was this a migration? It wasn't a Robin Redbreast, no, although, uh, as you will soon discover, the sunburn. (laughs) Uh, No, this is is Robin in the sense of the pop starlet's Robin, singer of uh, Dancing on My Own. Why did that one come to mind straight away, Sam? Uh, I can't think of anyone else called Robin with a Y. Ah. So, yes, yeah, she set up on a 1,700-mile trip through the Western Australian desert in 1977 with four camels and a dog called Diggity for company. <laughs> no Diggity. <laughs> and every time he did a shit, Tom, she had to bag it, bag it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now that, that's quick humour. Oh, good. Just the, the back and forth. This is just beautiful. I know. Playing off each other. You know, audience, if this comes out as rapid quick fire repartee in, in the final edit, it's not because I've edited out the three minutes of silence like we usually have to. That was genuine. <laughs> that took two minutes. <laughs> Personal best for an no, average No, you can check joke. it. We had to- <laughs> That one, not edited at all. You can check the pixels. So she was fascinated by wildlife and how uh, particularly nomadic peoples lived, travelling around much of the world in search of wandering tribes and examining how they worked in closer harmony with, with nature and wildlife. The difference in this case was that she did this entire 1,700-mile trip across Western Australia completely naked. Good job. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Travelling. It's outback. Nobody can see you. If I was a trucker in the Australian outback, I would totally be driving along nude. Oh, I'd be doing it in in 1970s lingerie. Fair enough. Each to their own, Tom. Yeah. I won't judge you. Hairy legs poking out. <laughs> With a cowboy hat If as you well. pulled over... And <laughs> I mean, you're kind of buffalo billing it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you were broken down on the other side of the road and a truck pulled up... And a man got out where a hairy man wearing 70s lingerie <laughs> and a cowboy hat got out. You would sprint off into the fucking bush <laughs> so quickly, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, she uh, she travelled from Alice Springs to the Indian Ocean without so much as a sock, which did cause some uncomfortable slash liberating uh, moments as detailed in her book, Tracks, including at one point <laughs> menstruating down her leg under the scorching midday sun, which caused her to, quote... Hope that I will always see the obsession with social graces and female modesty for the perverted, crippling insanity it really is. Uh, scant comfort for the camel that she was riding on at the time, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so say, say that again, she menstruating down a leg in the midday sun. That sounds like Bob Marley. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Maybe we could do an episode on menstruation. Maybe we could. On ladies' parts. Parts of ladies'. Anyway, uh, that was my that was my honourable mention. Make make what you will of the passage. <laughs> I was just quite pleased to have found an example of a of a naturist naturalist. <laughs> so anyway, on to just naturalists. And uh, I thought today, Tom, that I'd talk about some mad scientists and crackpots. Excellent. <laughs> and first up, Tom, we have Ivan T. Sanderson. Born 1911, died 1973. A mad Scotsman and inventor of the air quotes science, close air quotes, of cryptozoology. Do you know of cryptozoology, Tom? I think you probably do, don't you? Crypto- is this is this animals that don't actually exist, like bonkers animals? Yeah, it's the study of theoretical animals. The name actually means of an animal which cannot be seen or must be discovered. So animals that don't exist. <laughs> animals that don't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Made up animals. <laughs> animals from my imagination. The name was originally uh, developed as an attempt to give more substance to the uh, pastime originally called searching for Nessie Yetis or the slide rock bolter, which is a particularly ridiculous mythical creature. What a cracking name. Which I came across. It's a cracking name, and it's one I came across in my research for today. It's a, a particularly stupid mythical creature from a kind of early 20th century North America, the US and, and Canada. Apparently uh, originally spotted, in fact only ever really spotted, exclusively by lumberjacks who are clearly drunk. It's the size and shape of a blue whale and hides on mountainsides, gripping the peak until a victim passes below, at which point it lifts its tail, loosening its grip, and toboggans down the hill to swallow its prey whole. Welcome to Ski Sunday. <laughs> well, I was going to do the Ski Sunday theme tune, but that's not it. Is that, what, what's that then? What have I just done? I don't know what you've done. What's the Ski Sunday theme tune? 
Over Ski Sunday, yeah. Big fan of Sue Barker. <laughs> You're right. You are. You are, You did get the song right. In fairness. Yes. So the slide. The slide. Thanks, hon. So yes, the slide rock bolter is a this blue whale which slides down hills, toboggans down hills to swallow its victims whole, before using the momentum to propel it up the next hill. Which time? I mean, I, from where it can hide for its next victim. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to judge. Tom, the intelligence of early 20th century lumberjacks caught out in the North American wilderness. Uh, But that completely ignores the laws of the conservation of momentum, which would see it only able to get up slightly smaller and smaller hills until it just ended up in Kansas. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. What mushrooms were they munching on, these lumberjacks? Uh, Well, they could clearly see in between sips of moonshine, which is just a landslide. Oh, that's what it was, was it? A landslide. It wasn't a giant blue whale hiding up a hill. It was was irresponsible logging. Irresponsible logging. (laughs) That's what happens six hours after a booner on a nudist beach, yeah. (laughs) When you let your dog loose on, on the... Anyway, uh, vaguely on to Ivan T. Sanderson. He was a, he started off as a genuine naturalist and was one of the first ever TV animal specialists. He was the first Steve Irwin, becoming something of a celebrity in the 1930s and 1940s for his quite entertaining and often light-hearted anecdote-filled writings about expeditions to remote parts of the world. He was, uh, you know, he was kind of like a Michael Palin type figure. He owned his own zoo, although his interests as he got older became less with the animals he managed to collect and more with those he couldn't. He was a known follower of a guy called Charles Fort, who uh, was the origin of the of the word Fortean, meaning the investigation of paranormal activities and uh, alien abductions and the like. And yes, and over time, Sanderson gave up looking for rare bugs and turned his attention to uh, things like lake monsters, giant sea serpents, yeti, and quite oddly, Thomas will come on to giant penguins. <laughs> giant penguins. Big fan of giant penguins. Not, uh, bigger than an emperor. Much bigger than an emperor. We're talking 15-foot penguins. Wow. Yeah. That filled you up, wouldn't it, at break time? It would indeed, yes. I thought there was a chocolatey, biscuity joke coming. <laughs> that would require a big cup of tea, though, wouldn't it? It certainly would, yeah, a vat of tea. <laughs> he was originally regarded very highly as a, as a botanist and zoologist, but very quickly lost any credibility with mainstream science due to, due to two events. The first is his, again, air quotes, travel and air quotes, science book, Abominable Snowmen, Legend Come to Life, which was really actually the first proper treatise into the Abominable Snowman, the first kind of supposedly serious book about it, which really kind of cemented the legend, in which over the course of over 500 pages, wow, he describes the four varieties of snowmen, using slightly outdated and offensive terminology, it has to be said. Uh, first are the subhumans of Eastern Europe and the Orient. <laughs> Oh, this section appears to have a forward by a Mr. A. Hitler of Buenos Aires. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought he was being derogatory <laughs> towards yetis. Oh. No, no. It was yetiist. Uh, <laughs> the, the Council of Yeti have complained <laughs> and deemed it racist. Yes. <laughs> Goes against the international definition of... Uh, of a yeti. yeti. Of yetiism, yeah. So apparently they're largely Neanderthal in appearance. Uh, fairly straightforward to the subhumans. I know, right? And when I said slightly racially insensitive, pretty much what I meant. (laughs) Next is proto-pygmies, who are smaller than average people and live in Africa and parts of Central America. Hmm? Mexico, where snowmen famously come from. (laughs) 
Uh, next are Neo Giants, who apparently just depends what you mean by snowmen. Uh, <laughs> 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 doesn't it really? <laughs> well, yes. They have a big red nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there. Thank you. So next are the Neo Giants, who apparently live just fucking everywhere. Neo Giants. Neo Giants. Yes. The new giants, not to be confused the with the ones, old school yeah. giants, yes, who are just nonsense, Tom. Just nonsense creatures, not like, not like these new giants. And, uh, and finally, we've got the sub-hominids from South Asia in the Himalayas, featuring the OG Abominable Snowman. So they're kind of what you what you think of when you think of your bog-standard garden yeti, Tom. <laughs> and uh, he claimed that this book provided irrefutable evidence of the existence of these creatures. Unfortunately, Science Magazine disagreed at the time. In, in 19, 1961, sorry, this book was published saying of the work that, unfortunately, the author's concept of what constitutes scientific evidence will scarcely be accepted by most scientists. His standards are ridiculously low. <laughs> this, by the way, is a serious scientific magazine. His entire argument is based on two types of evidence, namely footprints and reports, many of which are obviously of questionable reliability. To these may be added some hand skeletons of doubtful provenance and some supposed snowmen scalps, which, it has been shown, come from the skin of the scrow, a goat-like animal. So what you've essentially got is some manky bits of goat, some bloke's hand, <laughs> and a story by a drunk. Well, that's a good time in Siberia. That is a good time in the Himalayas, yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. And, uh, and then something, Tom, it, 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 the passage gets rather telling, this. And, uh, you know, it's a sign of the times, the 1960s. And I'm very glad that we've evolved beyond this in our modern and enlightened times. The report into this book goes on. The author is evidently so firm in his belief that he passionately lashes out against those that do not go along with him. He has no use for those whom he terms experts, or apparently for most fellow zoologists. For him, quote from Sanderson here, most of the sceptics are crackpots, yakking away in a vacuum of make-belief. <laughs> Indeed, Sanderson gives the distinct impression that he feels there is a sort of conspiracy amongst zoologists against the chosen few who know that abominable snowmen are real creatures. Vaccinate your kids. <laughs> yeah. Wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pizzagate isn't real, and the world isn't run by lizard men. <laughs> so, a nutcase then. Uh, and this damning review of his scientific magnum opus was compounded by his absolute belief that Florida, was, Florida, Tom, Florida, was home to giant 15 foot high penguins with alligator feet after, once again, irrefutable evidence emerged in the 1940s in the form of giant footprints. What it was actually irrefutable evidence of, Tom, is two pranksters called Tony and Al. <laughs> Tony and Al. Tony and Al. Who had a satellite TV show. <laughs> yeah. Two YouTube knobheads called Tony and Al who made the whole thing up. Except for the alligator boots, Tom, which, as any Floridian will tell you, are a timeless fashion statement. <laughs> or any Geordie. <laughs> or any Geordie, yeah. It's quite an extrapolation, isn't it? You've got a footprint. Yes. And everything above that you can just make up. There's, yes, there's absolutely. A large yeah. leap of faith there. When I was a journalist, I did spend time in Dorset with a cryptozoologist looking for leopards, oh, and he was you? just picking up all kinds of what was clearly not leopard poo from this moorland. Going, that's a leopard poo. Oh, that. Leopard poo. <laughs> I went home and interviewed him in a house full of taxidermy. And then we went out to a moor and just picked up all the shit. We literally all the shit we could was find. He eating it as well. It tastes like leopard poo. I, yeah, no, he did actually taste a bit of it and said, "That's leopard scat." <laughs> <laughs> we bap bap bada bap. That's some leopard scat. Ba 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 bee ba 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 da ba. Big poo from a cat. <laughs> That's a cat, man. <laughs> so no, I did interview uh, a year or so ago. I interviewed a forensic chiropodist, CSI Bunyan, 
<laughs> who is a, a genuine, a proper scientist, and this is a real thing, who uh, goes to crime scenes and investigates footprints. And you can tell from a footprint, you can actually extrapolate from a footprint with some reliability whether someone is left foot dominant or right foot dominant, yeah. how tall how they were. How fast they're going as well, can't you? You can tell how far, obviously, you can tell how fast they're going. Uh, you can tell whether they're injured. You can actually tell how they tie their shoelaces as well, if there's a particular way of tying their shoelaces. Can you tell if they're a spy wearing sneaky back-to-front shoes? Uh, well, Tom. You'll have to listen in to you'd have to take You'd have to take their word for it yeah. <laughs> and listen into our podcast. Yeah, previous episode reference. Samuel Pepys' Turdfield Basement. Going to keep saying it. Love the title. <laughs> it's a good title. <laughs> Ivan, very quickly after both of these, became a laughing stock, except among his followers, Tom, who to this day are convinced that he'd been stitched up by the man, air quotes. <laughs> and by the man... I mean... The, the Democrats. The Democrats, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to take us now from an Ivan who believed in make-believe mythical animals to an Ivanovich who believed in making mythical animals, Tom. Okay. Enter Soviet mad scientist Ilya Ivanovich Ivanov. And I'm fairly sure I've talked about Ilya Ivanovich Ivanovs before, oh, but that's because... I thought you were genuinely of... going to enter. I thought you had him in your room. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, no, Tom, because he was born in 1817, died in 1932. Well, so, did uh... you just describe what he was doing as a profession? I... I... I did. I was wondering whether he had maybe had pickled himself. Ah, uh, not quite. No, although he has, he's entered the room now. It's just a skeleton, but he is missing a hand, presumably because the other Ivans tried to use it to prove the existence of the Sasquatch. So Ilya was a celebrated vet, uh, as in veterinarian, not former soldier, and uh, a qualified expert in the art of animal sex. Ooh, not like that, you dirty prick. Uh, <laughs> although, as we'll see, Tom, also partly like that. <laughs> Not in a Babylonian way, but partly in a Babylonian way. <laughs> yeah. Not in a Greek pottery way, like but that. also in a Greek pottery <laughs> way, yeah. So, as a member of the Soviet Central Experimental Station for Researching Reproduction of Domestic All Animals... Right, come on, what's the acronym? Come on. That's a snappy title, isn't <laughs> oh, I thought, it? I thought you made that up. I thought it was going to spell out bestiality or something. No, it's, or it's, it spells out Skesreda. Uh, <laughs> That was disappointing. Which, uh, if you look it up in Urban Dictionary, is the the, the fucking of pigeons. <laughs> and as a member ah, of the S-C-E-S-R-R-D-A, the, <laughs> the tiny little birds fuck em. make the fuck fuckers squawk. <laughs> fuck, fuck em, em, the birds. Fuck <laughs> the birds. Right up the bum. Fuck them. Shag. Fuck, <laughs> Fuck the flying rats. Bugger the buzzard. <laughs> Bugger it good. Bugger the eagle. Like Jesus would. <laughs> I ran out of options. I sung myself into an avian corner. <laughs> And I had no escape but uh, <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> yes, uh, Ilya was a celebrated vet and qualified expert in the art of animal sex. He mastered the art. He was the originator and the master of the art of artificially inseminating horses. Uh, well, you have to entertain yourself in the Russian winter, don't you, Tom? And uh, keeping one arm warm. <laughs> yeah, ah. Absolutely. And your head. And any <laughs> <laughs> horse <Ilya is> goal. <laughs> It sounds like the uh, the training montage from Rocky Three, in which Rocky repeatedly sticks, fucks a horse. Head horse's ass. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, squats with a horse's ass on his head. Da -da -da. Yeah, he's he's running up the steps with a Shetland pony <laughs> on his head. 
<laughs> Boxing. Da da da. kills with a horse on And bridge. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Do you think we'll get blocked from various podcasting platforms if the episode is entitled Rocky Balboa's Fisting Horses? <laughs> Let's try and see. Anyway, vaguely back to the story. Uh, mastering the art of uh, artificially inseminating horses made Ivan world famous. Well, you've got to have a niche, haven't you? Uh, as it meant a successful stallion could sire 500 folds a year, up from uh, kind of maybe maybe 30 from natural uh, fertilisation. Natural fertilisation? What? Natural fertilisation? <laughs> hey, meant the art, of, uh, the art of flirting him up good <laughs> and giving him what for, Tom? <laughs> So, yes, he, he mastered the art of creating 500 horses a year instead of 30 from just one stallion. Uh, but that wasn't all, Tom. No, because he had a fascination with creating fake animals as well as, uh, as, well as real ones. Gone fucked up in my notes here. I've got a joke written down about horses having feelings, which I've completely skipped over. Go back, go like, on. Why didn't that bastard... Here we go. <laughs> I can't, the, the context is lost, but I, I had a hilarious skit written down about horses being real animals with real feelings, like... Why didn't that bastard Red Rum call me? He's seeing those 500 other women, isn't he? The absolute cock. He said I was the sugar lump of his eye. They only had fetlocks for me. Now look at me, stuck in a council paddock with five kids and a fat Russian on my back. <laughs> there you go. Right. That was good. I liked it. <laughs> Iliad didn't just want to create real animals with real feelings. He wanted to make entirely mythical creatures, Tom, and uh, no one knows why. He was particularly interested in trying to crossbreed humans and chimpanzees. Oh, okay, that does get quite morbid. Mmm, doesn't it? Fortunately, the Soviets were completely down with this shit. (laughs) They loved this strange little fetish, and in 1924 he was given express permission to travel the world and try to breed his freakish chimp-human hybrids. Most of his experiments, most of his experiments, used artificial insemination. But in 1926, he grafted a French woman's ovaries onto a chimpanzee called Nora. Presumably, Tom, after having been to a circus and seen how easily they could be trained to ride a bike, smoke a cigarette, wank in public and throw their own shit around. (laughs) And after seeing that, he decided that the French and chimpanzees were a perfect match. (laughs) uh... Good one. (laughs) Uh, Later in the year he travelled to Africa Where he tried to inseminate three more chimps With human sperm For science reasons obviously (laughs) Undeterred by the abject refusal of nature To accept a Russian chimp super hybrid He recruited five Russian women Who apparently volunteered To flip the procedure round And be pimped to the chimp Uh, An experiment Yes Have you seen them going at it? To the chimp (laughs) Well I wouldn't have wanted a gorilla Well no absolutely not an experiment which, alas, Tom, was cancelled after the chimp died, uh, possibly of exhaustion after being forced to endlessly wank into a cup to a copy of Reader's Babushkas. We'll never know. Silverback <laughs> Crack magazine. Macaque Back and Sack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the experiment was halted, and uh, unfortunately, shortly after this, a great loss to the science and medical world alike, that bastard Stalin rocked up and, in 1930, decided that all of this was a bit weird. Uh, of course, Tom, it wasn't the animal experimentation that was a bit weird. No, it was the fact that he'd been in Europe doing it. <laughs> so uh, Ivanovich, as a result, was exiled to Kazakhstan for for five years, where he died a couple of years later from a stroke. Which I think is a shame, Tom, because it denied the world the opportunity to actually create a real-life King Louis. Instead, we had to just rely on CGI in the remake, which I think is ethical science gone fucking mad, Tom, <laughs> personally. <laughs> Hollywood whitewashing. That's what it it's is. It's Hollywood whitewashing. Yeah, absolutely. They, they should have cast a real, a real monkey. monkey. 
Yeah, could yes. not find one? A real anthropomorphised chimp. <laughs> so anyway, there we go, Tom. That's a, a brief look into uh, two men called Ivan, one of whom travelled the world looking for mythical creatures and one of whom travelled the world trying to make one. Horrible. <laughs> That's disgusting, isn't it? I think I've come across something similar before, though. I, I, in my was that research, uh, was, it was in oh right in your research rather than just a bad experience in a nightclub after one too many recordings back at university oh dear researching a previous episode i came across something similar it was in the sort of mid 19th century wasn't it that was after darwin's origin of the species that was what 1832 mm. or something people were interested in whether there was a bridge between humans and Chimps and apes, and, yes, and, uh, yeah, and they, and so I think that was and the only way to bridge this gap. Is if there was a bridge, was to fuck. Yeah, was to fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that yeah, people were, and especially with racist attitudes towards Africans as well, thinking they yes. were an, an Aboriginals yeah. from Australian places, thinking they might be like somewhere in between the two. Maybe that's where I came across it when researching how badly treated Aboriginal Australians were in Tasmania. Stealing body parts and all that jazz. I, I did go down an entire rabbit warren of uh, people trying to crossbreed with animals <laughs> through history. It was an option that I briefly considered, but it just got a bit too graphic. <laughs> the naturalist root of people who love animals. <laughs> and, uh, love animals. Really yeah, love animals. animals. I decided that it was a bit too much. Yeah, I think I've actually tried to do that one week as well and did the same thing. Thought... <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, incidentally, is this—it's the sound of someone trying to fuck a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we think of a topic for next week? Yes. Ah, oh, now we've got lots of topics suggested. I went—I went through, but I trawled back through. Yes, we have. I think already said that we're going to do cars for the next public one, haven't we? Cars, right? I'm going to say that six or seven times because I always forget midweek and then have to go back to my cars. part of recording. Cars. Listen to it. Cars. Um, what, I've Lost got, all I listed a few other ones. We've been suggested failed inventions slash technology yep. that never worked. Can't remember who that was. Rhiannon said best friends. Nathan said natural disasters. And didn't Turtley also mention monsters, whales, or hangovers? They they did mention all of those things. Yes. Why don't we do natural disasters for patrons? Because Nathan's the patron, isn't he? Okay, let's do natural disasters for patrons. Uplifting. And <laughs> yeah, they get all the cheerful ones. Uh, and we'll do cars for the next public Sounds one. Sounds good. Or vehicles. Slippers. <laughs> Slippers are vehicles. <laughs> they carry you around. Obsession with footwear at the moment. Uh, and if you want to hear the next episode on natural disasters or the last episode, uh, Samuel Peeps's Turdville Basement, then you can join us in the Order of the Bath. Come on in. The water's fine and has been flushed out since the last episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've scrubbed the bath well. It's ready, fresh and waiting for you. We've got the Epsom salts on side. A lovely glass of cold Chardonnay. <laughs> and Samuel Peeps, is, he's had his membership paused until he sorts <laughs> his plumbing out. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and you can join us at patreon.com slash thatwasgenius. Uh, you can join for three, four or five pounds a month or equivalent in a currency of your choice. And you get episodes every other week exclusive patron episodes you also get access to doodles by tom for every Hello. episode and you get uh, three original songs well actually no that's a lie you get one original song for each tier that you join uh they are quite good songs they are very good songs they're quite good doodles too if i do say so uh, say say so myself and you get medals as well you get well i say you get medals you get pictures of medals <laughs> you can print out <laughs> cut out and then stick on your chest like a north korean general 
Right, so uh, if you do want to join us there, you're very welcome to. Or uh, if you've got any episode suggestions, you can get in touch with us uh, via Facebook. And tell your friends as well, if you wouldn't mind. We tell went, your bloody friends I about know, us. I've, I've done four months of hard-out social media and got fuck all for it. So I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we're giving up on social media because uh, no one's paying any attention to it. So, well, uh, so Some people are, in fairness, but it's just the scope is yes. crap. Yeah, so word of mouth is key. Tell your friends about us. We would make a huge... Just shout it from the rafters. It would make a huge difference if you did tell your friends about us. Or sing one of our songs, just when you're in the bus, and then someone will yeah. say, where did you learn that lovely song about fucking birds? Where did you learn that amazing poem about Nazis... <laughs> naughty making Nazis? Yeah, where did you learn that? And then you can strike up some conversation. Who knows? Might be Absolutely. the love of your life. Could be. Might be a romantic moment. Not the love of my life. Sorry, Drew, but I, I told my plumber about us the other day. <laughs> And then he started listening to the podcast whilst fitting our new boiler, which was very disconcerting because my voice was coming both from me and from our utility room. <laughs> I've never been so turned on. <laughs> oh, that's what I sound like when I'm having a poo. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, yes, uh, if you have any episode suggestions or want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook. Send us a message with That Was Genius Podcast. And you can also email us, thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com. Right, on that note, we will let you get on, audience. Have a lovely rest of the day. We'll see you in, uh, well, two weeks' time or next week, depending on whether you stump up the uh, cash monies, hand over the dead presidents, put out the lira. Say goodbye, Tom. I'm actually <laughs> waving. Bye-bye. How are you? <laughs> Bye. Hello everyone, Sam here. Just after recording this episode, we set up a Facebook group where you can share memes, you can chat to us. It's just a little bit more interactive than the Facebook page, which frankly was becoming a bit of a drag. So we thought we'd let you make the content for us. You can find it at That Was Genius, a funny history podcast group. We'll post memes, we'll post jokes, we'll do polls, and very occasionally we'll post hilarious outtakes from That Was Genius. I mean, I say very rarely. We usually try and shoehorn anything in that gets even so much as a giggle but you might find some stuff there anyway enjoy the podcast and please do sign up to that was genius a funny history podcast group on facebook